The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him when he comes at once and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and he will recline them at table and he will come and he will serve them. And if he comes in the second watch or the third watch and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house and let it be broken into. So you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not know or expect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. What a glorious and beautiful day. What a special occasion we've gathered here. This is a great day for this community of St. Paul's as we set apart our beloved sister Cindy as a deacon in the Church of Jesus Christ. St. Paul's, as as you all know better than I, has played such an important, pivotal, integral role in raising up Cindy in ministry She's not stepping into ministry. She's been involved in ministry. And uh, this is actually quite a community celebration today as she's set apart for uh, service in the church as a deacon. It's so good that T asked if we could let a few hallelujahs fly today, even though it's Lent. So so we're going to We're going to do that, and so enjoy it while you can, because they're going to go away. So, beloved, our God is not a remote God. He's not distant. The God we serve, the God who calls us, the God we gather to worship here today is, is a God who breaks in. He's a God who pursues us, a a God who loves us, a God who knows us, and a God who calls us. He calls people first to himself. And that's true for every Christian person. We've heard the call of God. You are my son. You are my daughter. He knows us by name. It's true throughout the story of Scripture, isn't it? We read about it. God calls Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Rebekah and Ruth and David and Jeremiah and Peter and Andrew and Paul to, to name just a few. That's so much of what the, the story of salvation is. It's God who's knocking in, breaking in, coming, calling us to himself and to be called by God. First is this child and, and then into a, a ministry like that which we're celebrating today. To be called by God is to, is to echo the words we heard out of that Psalm 139 just a few moments ago. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You're acquainted with all my ways. 
For you formed me, my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, God knows us. He he knows us better than we know ourselves. And, And the mystery of his great love is that even with that knowledge, even knowing our weaknesses and our failures and and the things we wouldn't want him to know, out of love he still calls us to himself. And the reason he can do that is because when God calls, it's not so much about us as it is him. Because he is sufficient and he's powerful enough to take our lives with all of the, the, the kind of mess that comes with them. Not you, Cindy, just the rest of us. And use us for his purposes. That's why we're here today. Because God is sufficient and able to do that in all of our lives. And we will witness it and be a part of it and Cindy's life today. So as we turn to God's word, let's, let's pray and offer up this time. Father, we do bless you for this special day. We thank you for Cindy, for her life, for her witness, for uh, the ways that you have created and knit her together. And the ways that you've remade her as a new creation in Christ. And for the good works that you prepared beforehand that she might walk in. Lord, help it to be true for each and every one of us here today. May we know that love. May we hear that call. And may we respond in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So we heard in our Acts 6 reading today how the early church in Jerusalem uh, set apart, right, by, by prayer and then the laying on of hands, the, the first six deacons. So people are saying, we're, we're ordaining a deacon. What's that about? Well, it began there in the sixth chapter of Acts. And, and they set aside six in order that they might administer the tables and serve the widows that were in their community. Because before that, the apostles were doing that. And the, the apostles were, had too much going on. And so they said, let's raise up. Let's share this ministry. Let's raise up others in order that the apostles could do what? That they could devote themselves, Acts 6 tells us, to, to the prayers and to the ministry of God's word. And so those first deacons were were giving some margin to the apostles by by taking this huge ministry to the widows off of their hands. And what we read, as you read in in that chapter, is the church was mightily blessed by that decision. They were led by the Spirit in that decision. And the ministry grew and the Lord continued to add to their numbers. Well, it wasn't long before two of the six, Stephen and Philip, were catapulted onto the the center stage and God's drama, his unfolding, saving work in our world. Uh, Stephen, Luke tells us, was full of grace and power. He was doing as a deacon great wonders and signs among the people. And soon he was to give an heroic defense of the gospel before the Jewish council. 
and all of that on the way to becoming the first martyr of the church. Philip, on the other hand, was scattered because of the persecutions that followed, and he took the gospel to the city of Samaria and then to an Ethiopian eunuch who, in turn, took the gospel to Africa. And God was doing amazing work in the lives of these deacons. But not just the two that we read about, the six. Both in unheralded and quiet ways, like like serving tables for the widows, and in these huge moments we read about in the life of the early church recorded in Acts about Stephen and Philip. Well, Cindy, I want to say to you, you're being called to this same office. And I will say in quiet, under-the-radar kinds of ways, the Lord is going to use you, and perhaps in extraordinary ways, maybe without the martyrdom part. We, We don't need that. The Lord desires to use you and will use you for the sake of his gospel, for the sake of his people, and for the sake of his glory. You see, there's something important for each and every one of us to see and to take to heart whenever we ordain a deacon. The word itself means servant, helper, attendant, one who serves at table. It, it actually sets the tone for all ministry that happens in the name of Jesus. And I would say every priest or bishop who has forgotten that they're a deacon, they're not worth their salt. The order of deacons is, in fact, foundational for all ministry, not just ordained, but all lay ministry as well. And that's why out of the laity, we raise up those who are called to be deacons. Jesus talks about servants in This text that we had read is our gospel. He said, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Here's what Jesus is saying in this text to those who would be his disciple, to those of us who are his disciples. He's saying in this story that that we need to think of ourselves, each and every one of us, as servants, as one who serves a master. This for Jesus is ministry training 101. Jesus is giving it to what are to be his apostles And he begins with diakonos. He begins with being a deacon. He begins with servanthood. And for Jesus, it was a hard attitude. And he's saying, like a servant, stay dressed for action. That's what he says. Literally, gird up your loins. Which is why we translate it, stay dressed for action. Because no one knows what gird up your loins means. The image is that of a servant taking their long robes and and tucking them into their belt in order 
that they may not get tripped up, in order that they may maneuver around and serve their master. And there's so much in this world that would want to trip us up. He also says of the servants, keep your lamps burning. He's saying, keep the lights on, keep light of things. In a similar way, you'll remember Jesus told the parable of the ten virgins who who took their lamps awaiting the bridegroom. Five ran out of oil in their lamps. Well, he wasn't talking about kerosene. He's talking about being spiritually alert, being awake, being ready to receive the bridegroom, to be able to receive the master. All that reminds me of Paul's words that you'll remember to Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Keep your lamp burning. Fan into flame. Jesus reminds us we are the light of the world. We're to, to put that lamp where? Not under a bushel, but, but out on a stand in order that the world may see, others may see, and give glory to the Father. This readiness for action, this spiritual alertness is so that we may, what? Receive the Master. Receive Jesus. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Cindy, serve the Lord. Serve the body of Christ. Serve the world for whom Christ died. Cindy, teach us how to serve. Teach us how to be ready for action. Flame Fan into flame the the gift that is within us, the people of God. Help us always to keep in mind the master, to, to long for his coming, to not live for this world, but for the one that will endure, whether it be in the second watch or the third watch. Cindy, always remember that you are a deacon. And know this, dear sister, when you are this kind of servant, you are reflecting to the church and to the world the very character of Jesus. The likeness of the one who who said he came not to be served, but to serve, to, to give his life as a ransom for many. The likeness of the one who on the night before he died got up from table with his disciples and tied a towel around his waist and went and washed the feet of his disciples. You see the diaconate is at the very heart of the gospel because it takes us, do you all see it? It takes us to the mystery of the cross to this God who loves us so extravagantly that he gives himself up as the suffering servant, the original deacon, the servant Jesus. For we all like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned everyone to his own. Yet the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And the mind-boggling paradox in this story, I don't know if you heard it, 
Jesus says, Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service. This is the master. And have them, the servants, recline at table. And he will come and serve them. Do you hear that? What Jesus is saying to the servants is there will come a day when he'll turn the world upside down and he will stoop down and serve us. You see, that's what Jesus does. He turns the world upside down in his kingdom. The servants are served by the servant, the suffering servant. It took a while for the disciples to get this. Remember, Peter didn't want him to wash his feet. He said, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. The mystery of God's love, that he would stoop down and serve us, that he would go to a cross for us. Jesus taught the disciples, whoever among you would be great must become the servant of all. Jesus changes the paradigm for leadership in the kingdom. But he doesn't just do it with words. He did it by his life. The leader is now the one who serves. And Cindy, today, my charge to you is quite simple. It's be great. Be the deacon, be the servant that God, as that psalmist says, has fearfully and wonderfully made you to be. Serve Christ, serve his people, serve the world around us, knowing that by his grace, there is reserved for you on that day a seat to recline in with him in his kingdom. Aren't you glad? Amen.